This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Big hour for you. Sam Amico, we'll talk NBA with him. Coming up at high noon Eastern, you know, James Harden is great. I just don't know if you'd pay money to go see him. That coming up at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We've got top five coming up. There's just so much more coming up. But we welcome in Anthony Pirno. Hello, Pirno. Good morning. Pirno was complaining to me during the break, America, about the pictures with everybody in their Christmas jam. Ah, family. come on. You yeah, know? I agree with you. Everybody, yeah, I agree the wife, the husband, I agree with the two year old, and the dog all dressed up in the same pajamas. That's something Liz has never been uh, interested in. Sco- scrolling through the gram yesterday, that's all I yeah. saw. I it's a uh, it's it's something that people like to do, and they love they like the the worst part about it is that you're never really immune to it because there are like I, I it'll just it'll never happen. I'm just never going to do it, and if I got to be a stick in the mud and an a hole about it, then I'm just going to do it because I'm not doing that. It's stupid, and I look ridiculous. I look. First, I haven't worn pajamas <laughs> since I was seven years old. I told I, I swear to God, I told my son the other day, he Liz got him a bunch of new pajamas, and they're like the zip-up foot pajamas, and he's five. And I go, honestly, enjoy these for the next two years because you're done. You're seven years old. You're going when you turn seven. He's five now. I said when you turn seven, it's basketball shorts and t-shirts, okay? <laughs> Sweatpants and and long sleeve sweatshirts if you really want to do that during the winter time. We're not doing this pajama stuff anymore, okay? It just it gets to a weird spot, and seeing a grown man in pajamas will never not be unsettling. It's always unless you're Don Draper and you're in those button-up deals, it'll always be unsettling. And you have to. And by the way, you got to look like John Hamm to be able to pull that look off. I can't just walk around in button-up pajamas. That ain't gonna happen. When you see me in the master bedroom, you'd never see me in the master bedroom because I wouldn't let you in. It is basketball shorts. Of some of some fashion, sweatshorts of some fashion, and an old T-shirt. That's what it is. That's what it should be. That's what grown men wear. Not. I don't care if it's for the family. I don't care. I don't. It, and the worst part about it is that again, I say that you're never immune to it because I could just not do it with my family. That's fine. What if my son gets married to somebody and they want to have a picture with it someday when I'm 70 years old? We'll see if I make it that long, but if I'm 70 years old, I'm going to have some picture with me and my wife and we're on the – no, it's stupid. It's dumb. It'll never happen. Hopefully it's a fad that's certainly done over the next 30 years. But, yeah, people like to do it. They love to do it, and it's great. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of wear out of that. Grown man looking like a toddler. That's what I want to be as the head of the household. That's that's exactly where I come from. A point of respect and rever- re- reverence, that's what I want to look like. A giant toddler. Great. Oh, so we can, we can post it to my wife's Instagram. Okay, that's what really matters at the holidays. Sorry, Pirino, you got me going. Thank you very much. 
What's on your top five, bud? Well, last week when we were doing the top five Christmas gifts not to give, the worst Christmas gifts to give, yeah. you had mentioned uh, the movie Deer Hunter. So, yeah. uh, how did I mention Deer Hunter in that movie? Yeah, <laughs> I, I was having trouble remembering. I remember you saying that some of the scenes <laughs> were filmed in Ohio. Yes, but they again, were. They were I still, I, I still cannot oh! remember. I know why because we mentioned we both mentioned pets. Yes, top yes. Five worst, don't and I said don't give li- any pets. Yeah. Yep. Lima lives in Tremont, and there's always these 24 year old girls who live in Tremont who get <laughs> these pets for the holidays, and they put them all over their Instagram, and then the, the then just just like a child, the the dog gets a little bit older and isn't cute anymore, and then they want to get rid of it. <laughs> so, so, which is very sad. So you mentioned the deer hunter. So we're going yes. to. Go back to the 1970s this morning. Wow. We're doing the top five favorite 70s movies. We've done top five 80s movies. Now we're going back to the 70s. Oh, my God. In an era before both of us were born, by the way. (laughs) That's okay. Are you going to have Mean Streets on your list? No, I would definitely not. All right. I got a a hot take, man. I tried to watch Mean Streets a couple years ago, and I couldn't do it. I can't take Robert De Niro as a loser. I can't do it. <laughs> and it just took me out of the whole – honestly, it took me out of the whole movie. Harvey Keitel is just kind of drifting about doing God knows what. I got very bored very quickly. He's not buying I, He's I, not buying it. I tried to. Yeah, and everybody's like, oh, Mean Streets, Mean Streets, Mean Streets. I'm like, yeah, but you just have to remember, um, you know, that was, that was so early on in his career. That was actually the first time that he and uh, Scorsese teamed up. That was the first time? Yeah, Mean Streets. Wow. 1973. How many exa- uh, I forgot the exact number of times they've teamed up, but uh, that was the first time. I'm, glad, I'm, gl- I'm pretty glad business picked up afterwards because that was not a good start for me. <laughs> to watch those two together it was Mean Streets, man. I tried. I'm getting a bunch of tweets, by the way. John Marks, who's up next. Uh, two to six Easter, and he had a picture with his family, and they're all in the pajamas. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, congratulations. That that picture's going to live on It's all forever. for the social media also, to get the likes. Look at right. us. We're John, such... since appearing uh, all, I don't know if you follow John, and I know you won't be the producer. No, but I John, don't. I know, I know John Marks is listening. John Marks is a host over in Philadelphia, WIP, and he's going to be on 2 to 6 today on CBS Sports Radio. And just looking at this picture, John, I want to know where you got the couch. Because if we're speaking about film and since you invited me into the home, I'm sorry, buddy, I've seen that couch in other films before. I have seen that black leather couch in other films. If we're talking about cinema, I've seen it, buddy boy. 855-2124-CBS. People, now people are sending me pictures of Don Draper. Yeah, Don Draper, John Hamm is a good-looking man. He's a John great Hamm, looking I, I have yeah. a uh, bro, bro crush on him. Well, you do? Well, yeah, I love John Hamm. As well. There's worse. My bro crush was John Candy. So, you know, you're, you're doing a little bit better than mine. Anyway, I said this yesterday. I'm always afraid to say these things on the show because then I get – I don't know. I get I get emails from goofballs, and they just start to do the whole eye-rolling homerism thing. Just hear me out on this, all right? And I'm not asking for music, Pirino, anything like that. I don't need anything like that because we got top five movies of the 70s coming up soon, so I got a lot to do this hour. But I was filling in for Rome yesterday, and I decided, you know what? It's Christmas Day. I'm going to have fun with it. I'm filling in for Rome no better thing to do than to say where where Jim Rome was right about something. 
And Jim Rome says that the Browns are America's team. And it's always been, for a lot of folks, it's always felt like it's a tongue-in-cheek thing. And listening to Jim Rome makes a lot of valid points. There's a reason why, though, that the Browns really are America's team. And he's hit on it a bunch of times, and I, I think that it's true, is that for a lot of us, football, the NFL, the NFL so close to us for a multitude of reasons. It's so close to us because... For my main reason why I think that people love NFL football so much, it always keeps us wanting more. There's always something there. And I think there's just something so inherently American about the player of the generation, more than likely, unless something tragic were to happen to the young man, but the player of the generation, the best player in the NFL, playing in Kansas City, Missouri. I've been to Kansas City. It's a wonderful town. Pierno's rolling his eyes because he knows I said this a million times. He doesn't have to play in New York. He doesn't have to play in Los Angeles. He doesn't have to play for the Yankees. doesn't have to play for the Lakers. doesn't have to do it. He plays in Kansas City, Missouri for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a half a billion dollar quarterback, and he's going to make that franchise probably $2 billion by the time it's all said and done. He'll more than likely be a Hall of Famer. He's one of the most talented people we've ever seen. He might go down as the best to ever play the position by the time it's all said and done. There's just something nice about that. It, it represents to us football, professional football, with the guise of the salary cap, whether or not it's real or not. I've always had my doubts about it. But with the salary cap, always lets you know, if you put together the right organization, if you have the right structure, if you hire the right people, and it's hard to do, that your team, your favorite team, whether you're in New York, New York, or whether you're in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, or whether you're in Wichita, Kansas, your favorite team that you grew up with and whatever market you may be in can be a, a legitimate, good, successful organization for a long time to come in because you're a fan of that, you feel a part of that. And I look at the Browns and I say that Jim Rome is right because for a lot of us, what matters to football is a bit of togetherness and also part of our families and part of our lives. And the Browns, for 99% of us, have been a microcosm of our lives. There's a 1% that may be listening to this, but probably isn't. I don't know if anybody who's living in the gate community right now is listening to this show. But if they are, I always put you with, honestly, maybe the Steelers, maybe the Ravens, the Packers, even though they're a publicly owned team. You've kind of gotten it right for the last 30 years. You've made the right decisions. You're up at the top. You're the CEO. We make our decisions in the NFL based on what your ownership groups do. It's a blue blood type of mentality except that you've earned it. You have earned it. The Steelers earned it through 40 years of turmoil to where they finally got the mixture right with Chuck Knoll and, and everybody else who eventually, as they drafted their defense and brought in Terry Bradshaw, even though he's got some weird thing against Chuck Knoll, but whatever, it, it, where they were able to put it together, and now they've been – an upper echelon organization in professional sports for 40 years now. It took 40 years of suffering, but here they are. The Packers, the Packers with their great history and their great the, their public ownership are the same way. We're not like that. 99% of us aren't like that. The other team that everybody talks about being the America's team has been the historical America's team has been the Cowboys. Who out there is like the Cowboys? In your own public, think about this, in your own personal life, how many people are like the Cowboys? The Cowboys, to me, are like Tommy Boy. 
hey, I'm Big Tom's son. He'll fix everything, so I'm allowed to be a moron. Hey, Jerry Jones is our owner. We're allowed to be morons. They'll just watch them on, na- on national television every single Sunday anyway. We'll be on Thanksgiving. We'll be on national television. They'll always, even though they might flex us out here and there, we're always going to be given multiple Sunday night games. They've admitted it before. They've been on national tel- television shows before. They've been on national radio shows before. The producers of these broadcasts, hey, whatever, it's, it starts and ends with the Cowboys. It's the blue blood of blue bloods. They're the Yankees of the NFL. It's not hard. And for as much as you mess up, it's the same thing as any goofball son of a politician, any goofball son of a CEO, any goofball son that's ever been of somebody in any sort of power. As much as you mess up, daddy's there to bail you out. As much as the Cowboys mess up, they're going to be jammed down our throats no matter what. A lot of us don't live that type of life. There's more people, I think, that resonate with the New England Patriots over the last 20 years than would resonate with the Dallas Cowboys. We know people who've won the lottery. Eh, you're kind of bopping around for years. You stop into the quick check foods. You go and play the lottery, and holy cow, you ended up winning the Powerball. And so for the last 20 years, they've had it better than anybody else. They've been able to enjoy it. But when I look at what society really is, the Browns are 99% of us. Because we all have skeletons in our closet that we're not proud of. We all have things that we might be a little bit of ashamed of. And it doesn't matter because, again, we all have it that way. We all have that aunt who had boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend and then husband after husband after husband. And she brings them to Thanksgiving and she brings a different one to Christmas and she brings a different one to Easter. And mom sits over there with her disapproving look the way it might be and, of course, that Well, now that she's at home with her third husband, they have to live at home with their kid, just like my own aunt. And my grandmother looked at them disapprovingly. I've brought up before about Clemson, girl. By the way, they're Steeler fans. That's as weird as it gets. But either way, I see the Browns and I see America, that most of us struggle day to day trying to make the very best of our situation because where we're born will more than likely die. And so we make the very best of it. In the NBA, we say we're supposed to support players being able to go to the big city, being able to go to the market that they choose. We're supposed to support that. But the problem is is that most people in most of your cities in the NBA, they were born in that market, they'll live in that market, they'll die in that market. So they're trying to make the very best. They don't resonate with somebody who makes the amount of money that they can go. If they could, they might be able to do it, but they can't. That's part of the reason they like the NFL, because their favorite team could get their act together and actually do it. But for most of us, we live, we learn, we try to live the best we can, but we often struggle. We try to make ends meet the best we can, but we sometimes fall short. And it's the same thing with the Browns. The Browns for the last 20 years have been led by ineptitude, have been led by a hope and a false hope because we always love a Christmas and every single year the draft comes around and there's always a false hope. And maybe at that one Christmas at 16 years old, my dad went to the auto auction and he got me a car and the car was a lemon and they made fun of it. All my buddies made fun of it, but it was still my car. It was still something that I loved. And in a football parlance, that car and something I loved was Johnny Manziel, and the rest of the country made fun of him. You know what? That's mine. And years later, yep, that car was a lemon. In Jim Rome's words, that mere core 
was a lemon, and it did catch on fire, just like Johnny Manziel's career, just like any number of quarterbacks that the Browns have tried to have. And this year, finally, it seems that Mayan has finally dated the right guy. This guy actually can hold a job and can pace himself at the holidays. And I don't have to carry him out of my aunt's house. And if grandma were still alive, maybe she'd like this guy in Kevin Stefanski. Look at this. My cousin actually moved out of my aunt, my other aunt's basement. He's got himself a job. And then finally, maybe like this, where I bring it into my own life, as a middle American as middle American can be, my own father, 41 years at a job he didn't like, just a few weeks ago, retires. 41 years. He walked in there in August, no, July of 1979 and walked out December 9th of 2020 at a job he didn't like, but it was a steady, decent job, and it was better than what some of the other family members were doing. And here he is getting to walk out. And I find it very, I find it a very big coincidence that the Browns get to retire at 10 and 4, maybe 11 and 4, maybe 12 and 4 by the time it's all said and done, and have their first postseason appearance in 17 years on the same day my dad, who's as middle American as it gets, smoked heavy for a long time, wears jeans, likes NASCAR, never, never, never would drive a brand new automobile. He retires and the Browns are good now? Seems like a weird coincidence. While we may be fans of the Steelers and of the Titans and of the Buccaneers and all the other teams there, the Browns are what truly represent us. Struggling, trying, dusting ourselves off. Maybe they took the car. Maybe Jimmy, maybe Jimmy quit high school and nobody wanted to tell us. Grandma's not doing so well, so she's going to smoke the last parliaments while she's still got some decent years left on earth. We've all made bad decisions. We've all lived lived rough lives. For 99% of us, the Browns are us. We hope to have better days. We hope that there will reach a day where we walk out of our place of work, where we've clocked out for the last time, and we turn around and we say, it's not about one of these great big financial commercials where you see the couple in their 60s and they're parasailing or they're climbing rocks. They just want to go home and sit down and have dinner and wake up the next morning and watch the sunrise and have a sip of coffee and know that they don't have to go to work anymore. That's the beauty for most Americans. That's what most Americans hope for. And the Browns and their struggles for so long, their embarrassment for so long, how they continued to try, and it seems that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, they finally got it right. It represents just about everybody listening to this. That's why Jim Rome's right. The Browns aren't just a representation of a fan base. The Browns are the representation of America. This is the Ken Carmen Show. I'm going to let Pierdo just take the wheel on the top five. He Because he is such a cinemaphile, he is going to loathe my top five movies of the 1970s. It is time for the top five. And Pierdo, as always, the curator, always picks fantastic ones. And he's such a big movie buff, and he has picked the top five movies of the 1970s, inspired by 
what we were talking about last week where parts of the deer hunter were filmed in Tremont, a neighborhood in Cleveland, Ohio, which is a fantastic, fantastic, just an amazing. I loved living there. We lived there for a year, and I may even move back by the time. When the children are grown up, I might, I might just move back because I just loved it so much. It's such a great neighborhood to be single in, or if you're a young couple, it's just a great, great neighborhood. I love Tremont. Got yeah, a little uh, Saturday Night Fever playing underneath oh, us here. Uh, yes. an- another great movie. It, it's not in my top five, but it's not in my top five. But a I great did write movie. It down. Also, I did write it the down, yeah. second best-selling movie soundtrack of all time. Do you have a what guess at one? what number one is? Uh, Th- this is this is number two. The second best movie soundtrack of Rocky all time. Rocky Horror Picture selling. Show. Number one all time is The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard, that, I Will Always Love You? That is the best-selling movie soundtrack of all time. Is Rocky Horror Picture Show in the top ten? Uh, I believe it is. Yes, I believe it is in the top ten. I thought I, I thought that was a pretty good guess by me. Uh, all right, let's go. Yeah, all right, so top five. Uh, I'm starting off with The Deer Hunter. Uh, again, powerful film. Uh, you have the three friends. They go off to the Vietnam War, and as you would expect, changes them because of the horror that they witnessed and that they endured there. Robert De Niro, John Savage, Christopher uh, Walken, all amazing. And uh, the final performance of one of my favorite actors of all time, John Cazale, who a lot of people don't know because he was always in supporting roles, so people are not very familiar with him. Most people remember him as Fredo in The Godfather. Mm -hmm. But John Cazale, one of the best actors of all time. When you think about it, he was only in five motion pictures. All five of them were nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Both Godfather films, Dog Day Afternoon, The Conversation with Gene Hackman, and then, of course, The Deer Hunter. Just an amazing actor. This was his final film because he had bone cancer and he was actually ill filming it. So they filmed all his scenes in the beginning because he was sick. And unfortunately he did pass away before the movie was even released. And actually the studio didn't even want to insure him because they wanted to drop him because he was dying of bone cancer. But uh, Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep, who's also in the film and was his fiance at the time, actually put up a big fight over it. And De Niro actually covered his health insurance to prevent him uh, from being dropped in the movie. So he was just a great actor. He just he he was like these. He had such powerful eyes. Like he could. Uh, he could give off so much emotion just by using his eyes. And Al Pacino said that he learned more about acting from John than anybody. So that's saying somebody with all the grades that Pacino has worked with over the years. And he's saying that he learned more about acting than anybody from working with John Cazale. So I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to laugh at that. I was just thinking about the time where Al Pacino was getting shot in The, in the Devil's Advocate. And it just makes me laugh. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Come on, another one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Pacino. Yeah. So number five, uh, The Deer Hunter. Number four, uh, Taxi Driver. I mentioned it before. uh, The first time that Scorsese and De Niro teamed up was Mean Streets. This was the second time that they teamed up. Altogether, they've teamed up nine times uh, together in major uh, motion picture. But just both are great here in The Taxi Driver. I also love it. Being from New York, the film is set in New York City. And... You know, that's one of the things I love. Just New York plays such an integral role in the film. You know, sometimes the location is actually a character in a film. And that's the case here with Taxi Driver. You know, New York wasn't uh, 
New York wasn't a great place in the uh, 1970s to be, and we're probably actually headed back towards that t- period of oh, time. Uh, it, uh, the way that we're being run currently. Politics uh, out, but sir. Scorsese just does like a great job of just capturing that gritty underworld of New York in the 70s. And then, of course, you have the great performance by Jodie Foster, who was 12 years old at the time. She was nominated for an Academy Award for her performance. Uh, also, Linda Blair, the exorcist, she was actually originally cast before with Drawing, and then Jodie Foster uh, got the part. And also one of the best movie scorers of all time. Just grabs your attention uh, right away. So Taxi Driver, number four. Number three, going with Annie Hall, uh, Woody Allen, and Diane Keaton. Uh, it just... Uh, my favorite romantic comedy of all time. But, it, but, uh, but it's deeper than that. It's not your typical you know, romantic comedy. It's done such in a smart and humorous way. Um, you know, there's no happy ending here. It really, it puts forth the notion that love fades, that people drift apart. And it also experimented with different techniques uh, in Annie Hall. Like Woody Allen in one part uses subtitles uh, when reading the thoughts of uh, Alvy and Annie when they're flirting with each other early in the movie. There's split screens. Uh, one of the scenes transforms into a Disney cartoon. And then like Woody Allen breaking the fourth wall, speaking to the camera. So he used a lot of like innovative techniques and experimented at the time. So And then you also have like a lot of great cameos. Christopher Walken uh, makes a cameo. Sigourney Weaver, actually, um, that's her first appearance in a film. Uh, she pl- uh, she appears in it. Truman Capote, Jeff Goldblum uh, is in it. I forgot my mantra. That's his famous line in Annie Hall. So uh, Annie Hall, number three. Number two for me, uh, this is so tough. Um, I'm going with One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, Jack, I think you said, too, uh, Jack Nicholson isn't your favorite actor. Yeah. Uh, I love Jack. Uh, and he also, he has another classic from uh, 1974, and that's, of course, uh, Chinatown. Uh, but I went with One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, again, just great performance. You, just, you see the range of him. You know, he goes from uh, um, someone that's powerful and scary at one moment to, yeah. uh, like, annoying and being a sympathetic figure. Uh, great performance by Louise Fletcher, who plays Nurse Ratchet. She's tremendous in this. Uh, and also the first film, this was the first film since 1934 to win all five major uh, awards at the Academy Awards. It won everything. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and only three films have done that. So it was 1934, then uh, then One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in ni- uh, 1975, and then it happened again in uh, 1991 with Silence of the Lambs. Only three films ever have won all five of the major Academy Awards. So One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is one of them. And uh, finally, I have to go with The Godfather, number one. Al Pacino, Khan, Duval, Keaton, Brando, yeah. just perfection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. writing is amazing. Oh, the character development. You know, the movie doesn't need to explain every little thing and let you figure things out on your own because the writing's just so tremendous here. The film never uses the word mafia, Costa Nostra. Well, you can't do that. I mean, and they, you, they you talk find to out them, through yeah. the characters, words, actions, what they're involved in, and just the writing is so good. Performances are great. Godfather, number one. It's a masterpiece. So the only movie I didn't see out of your top five was Annie Hall. I'm sorry. I've never seen Annie Hall. I apologize to you. Uh, I like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It was written down. I did not put it in my top five. Because when I started to think about my top five, you're just going to hate my top five. So I'm just going to give it to you real quick. Okay, Pierno, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Number five, Rocky. The first Rocky. 
That's great. Won Best Picture in 1976. Okay. Beat out Taxi Driver. I thought you'd just say, of course. I love uh, Rocky. Num- number four. Number four is The Deer Hunter. For all the reasons you just said. Number three, this is where things are going to get messy. Number three is Slapshot. Oh, jeez. What? Yeah. What? I like it, but I no no listen no no again What's to be fair no but hey, listen no home. no to be fair I said your top five favorites so that, that's fu- that's fine yeah there I mean go. if we really were gonna be serious about this and do the top five best that's not a, nowhere near it but that's fine I said favorites that's fine again you guys watch watch Christmas Story yesterday Ralphie's mom <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize when she had the blonde hair it took me a while to realize that was Ralphie's mom. It's like, whoa, whoever's the hairdresser did a hell of a job. Uh, number two, <laughs> you are going to lose it. All right, my number one is Godfather. Okay, that's easy. You want to know what my number two is? Yeah, okay, but we've been through this so many times. It's all right. I mean, you're just not at my level when it comes to this specific category, so we forgive you. I'm just not going to dumb myself uh, down to make you look good. But Jerry Reed, Sally Field. Jackie Gleason, Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit. (laughs) I'm sorry. I am who I am, Pierno. I can't not be me. And that movie, I don't give a damn. None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. I'm going to love that movie for, oh, God, we're cutting it pretty close. Hey, Burt, why don't you guys not go have sex in the woods, huh? You guys can always have sex later. I know where this is going. I know exactly where this is headed. And Jackie Gleason, you know what? Maybe maybe she's doing you a favor there, Jackie. I know you you, you painted up the whole town so the whole town at a cost of forty dollars. Was it forty or fifty? Jackie Gleason not a good father in that movie. His son is an idiot, but he's not a good father in that movie. Let's be serious. But just I love the whole movie. I love the premise. I have it on VHS, I have it on DVD, and I have it on Amazon, just in case. That's how much I love that movie, Pierno. I probably just put The Godfather there at number one to appease you. It probably is Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> and that is top five favorite movies of the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought what this is going to look like when I post this to social media. This is going to be great. All right, coming up next, SamAmico48Minutes.com, Outkick.com. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Where's James Harden going to end up? Does anybody care? What happened yesterday where there were no tight games on Christmas? Just a bad day of Christmas basketball, but probably because the season just started. To get all those answers, we welcome in Sam Amico, 48minutes.com, also part of OutKick. Follow him on Twitter, at AmicoHoops. Sam, thanks for joining me today, my friend. Is that the reason why yesterday's games were so kind of blasé? We're still, we're, we had a truncated off season, if you can call it that, and we're just starting out this season now. Yeah, that was that was probably part of it. It's it's almost like a preseason. Uh, the guys just haven't had much of a training camp, and uh, you know, it, it seems like everything was kind of rushed for the yeah. teams that have been in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it's going to make for probably some sloppy basketball at the beginning, and probably some blowouts. Steph Curry's dealing with a team that is in a state of flux. You know, you got you got a couple of younger pieces there. You, Wiseman played well, but you know, without Clay, and you know, Draymond sitting right now, like, is he in a situation 
where reality is going to set in about how much pressure is on him to lead, or is he already ready for that pressure because he was part of the old Warriors before all this started? You know, and it's, that's a great question, Ken, and it's an interesting situation. When a, when a star player and team go through this period where they're still in, you know, with the same franchise and they start to fade, uh, the franchise starts to fade, it, it's interesting to see how the star reacts. And I think Steph Curry is going to play the Golden State his entire career. I don't think he's going to go anywhere else. But right now, the reality is, you know, Clay Thompson probably never going to be the same. Draymond's getting up there, and, and his body has taken a lot. And now you you know you throw in Andrew Wiggins, uh, Kelly Ober, and uh, James Wiseman. It's almost like a whole new lineup for for Steph Curry, a whole new team. So uh, I, I think the Warriors are going to come around at some point. They're not going to be the power in the dynasty that they were with Durant, but they'll come around. And I think a lot of people realize that throughout the week, that, hey, this is a team that uh, is going to be better at the end than they are at the beginning. Do you think that we'll tend to overcorrect, though, or maybe overcriticize because of this team with Steph, Steph being back? Because, you know, he's not physically, he's not LeBron, he's not Kevin Durant. He's, he's a more physical player than we give him credit for. He just plays in Atlanta Giants. But because of his game, it doesn't lend to that. Will we probably over-criticize this season on him? Absolutely. People love to, you know, they love to when guys, uh, super-duper stars like Curry was, and still is to a point, uh, when you know, when they when they start to fail. And, and this, they're not going to, you know, Golden State's not going to win a championship. I would, I would say they wouldn't even if they had Clay uh, Thompson and Draymond Green. So, um yeah, we'll be we'll be real critical. I'm sure a lot of people will be. And the one thing too, Ken, is you know the opposing defenses now are going to key on him a little bit more. He's a little bit older, and like you said, he doesn't have the size of LeBron James or you know a Kawhi Leonard or even a James Harden. So uh, it's going to be difficult for him with with guys keying on him, and, and he's not going to be the same player he was before. You mentioned James. I can't beat around the bush any longer. Sam Amico joining us on the show. Follow him on Twitter at Amico Hoops. What's the best fit for James Harden? Is there really a good fit for him? Uh, yeah. You know, my answer to that would be the Houston Rockets because that's <laughs> where he's been and that's where it's worked, but he just doesn't want to be there. I, I, I think that, you know, it's funny. I, I sit around with my kids and older boys and talk about, places where he could fit and, and play well. But I, I think there's some contenders that don't want to mess up their, their lineups, you know, that the Sixers are worried about that, the, the trading. Did you trade Ben Simmons? They don't want to do that. The, the Celtics would love to have James Harden, but they don't want to give up a lot of their pieces, you know. And, and uh, Milwaukee, who, they're not going to give you on to the Koopa. Who else do you want? Middleton, they don't want to do that. So there are a lot of teams that – yeah, sure, we'll, we'll take James Harden, but we don't want to break up our contending team to do that. So yeah. I frankly think, you know, at some point, and, and I talked to a GM the other day who said, the Rockets just got to give him away. He doesn't want to be there. Uh, he's unhappy. Go get, uh, you know, another veteran player with a big contract, maybe a young player, and uh, if you can get a late first-round pick too, get that. So, 
they're not going to they're not going to probably get back a superstar, which is kind of what they're looking for. And I think at this point, you, you just got to give them away. And I've I've heard recently they they are thinking, and this is out of nowhere, but San Antonio, uh, which would be real interesting to see to see uh, James Harden play for, for Coach Popovich. And I, I know they like each other, but. Uh, it would be an interesting situation if he would end up there. And I think Ken, he needs to end up somewhere where there are no other super duper stars because he's the guy. Well, but he is the guy. And it's weird because, you know, I brought this up yesterday, Sam. I got people calling up saying he's overrated because I, I don't think he's a great scorer and he's a great all around player and he's been a multiple time all pro and all star. But I do, we do not hold him in the same regard we do with with LeBron and with Kevin Durant and with Steph and, and with Giannis. Or, hell, I, for basketball fans, Luka probably is already more beloved than, than James Harden right now. Sammy's in this weird spot where we know he's good, but he's not beloved. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because Luka's game reminds me a lot of James Harden. He does, you know, they're very similar type of scorers. And uh, it seems like you're, you're right on, though. Sam Amico joining us on the show. Is this Nets thing for real with Kyrie and Kevin Durant? Looks really good, but it's only been a couple of games. You know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think James Harden's a great player, and the reason he's not in the the stratosphere of those other guys is because they he's been on a team that hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs. I think so. Uh, maybe that's why he wants to move. Maybe part of that, you know, I want to get to a team where I feel like it's going to be easier for me to get further in the playoffs and raise my own kind of uh, status as an all-time great. If Kyrie does make it through the season healthy, if Kevin Durant makes it through the season healthy, are the Nets a finals team? Well, they sure looked like it yesterday. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, yeah, they could be. I, I, it, boy, the East, it's going to be hard. I think that the Bucks are going to be uh, you know, one of those teams that's taken their lumps in the playoffs and is ready to get to the next level, which would be the finals. Uh, so I, I think Milwaukee's in there. Certainly Boston. Certainly Philadelphia. Uh, I, I think that those four right there, you know, we can't discount Miami, even though people are like, yeah, it was a fluke. I, I don't know that that was. I think Miami's got a very good team. But, yeah, Kyrie and Durant right now, uh, with that bench and that surrounding help, uh, they they look they look very powerful. So let me tell you this. Uh, let, let me ask you this because uh, we, we I I don't have a ton of time. Have they discussed? Will there be another playoff bubble, or will they try to play playoffs with get with play? Because we could be by June. Who knows where we're at as a society in June? Will they try another bubble, or will they try to play with fans in some capacity? I I think that they'll probably. My guess is they would try to play with with fans, uh, mm-hmm. just depending on you know, depending on where we are as a country. Uh, I I I think that would be the guess though. You know, if nothing else, we see the NFL teams uh, around the country playing with six, ten, twelve thousand fans and and feeling that you can do that safely. I think that they will. That's that's the road that they'll go down. Because I, I, I still think that had a lot to do. Not not as much as, you know, they, they got good players, you got good players. But I still think that had something to do with Miami's run last year. They were able to focus 
really able to just to go after it. You know, you got Tyler Hero playing well, but you're not playing on the road. Like I, I don't know if he plays as well against Boston if he has to go to the to the Garden and play that way. Follow Sam Amico on Twitter at Amico Hoops. One of the very best. You know I love him. 48minutes.com, outkick.com. Sam, take care, brother. All the best. Always great talking to you, Kenny. You too. Take care. Yes, sir. Sam Amico joining us on the show. Again, at Amico Hoops on Twitter. I, I do think that makes a bit of difference. I think it played into LeBron. I think it played right into his hands. Some guys were upset because they didn't have the distraction. He's the best basketball player on earth. This is going to play right into his hands. On his off days... On the days where he isn't that well, that's still better than 90% of the league. And so when you're playing against opponents who have to focus, that situation played right in your hands. If they go on the road, if they play road games, which hopefully they get to, then I do think it plays differently. I think it plays out differently for Miami this year. And it might play into the hands of a more veteran-laden team. Worker shoot coming up 12:20 p.m. Eastern. Up next, I know James Harden's great. You know he's great. I just don't think you'd pay to watch him, and that's the difference. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.